What is up? This is Speak Up, Speak Out. My name is Mariah, and I have Lori in the house. What's up, Lori? Hey, what's up? How you doing? I'm good. That's good. So today, we are going to be talking about racism. We're going to jump right into it. So, um, you work in law enforcement, right? I have. You have? Okay. So, do you think there's any racism when it comes to law enforcement? Absolutely. Okay. Do you think there's a divide, black and white, or do you think it's divide in every area? I have seen a lot of different things. I've seen um, racism within the ethnicities. Right. For example, um, Hispanics born in Mexico versus the Hispanics that are born in the United States. Right. Or Mexicans or however they want to identify themselves because they right. call each other different things. Right. Um, so... Basically, I, I've seen that, and then I've also seen where um, you might have um, a black man that is being processed in and by a black officer, and um, male or female, it doesn't really matter because I worked with both, and the person that's being booked in says, you know, why you got to do me this way, brother, or something like that, referring to the individual's brother or sister. Right. Um, depending on the cop. And the cop going, you're not my brother or my sister. Which, I have to be devil's advocate on this, okay? When you're in an official capacity and someone's done something wrong and they're the ones that are being arrested... And then all of a sudden, I've never seen you before in my life. You're not a member of my family, and now I'm your brother, or now I'm your sister. So we have to think in terms of both sides of the spectrum. I've had these conversations with officers that I know um, and officers that I worked with over and over and over again over the years because I wanted to get a clear understanding. I wanted to make sure it wasn't, you know haterade you know i'm just gonna hate on you yeah you're black too but so what right um and they explained that to me you know these people are coming into the system they chose to break the law i'm just doing my job but now i'm all kinds of brother you know what's up brother what's up sis right you know you the man you know i don't know you <laughs> okay i'm just doing my job right okay um, as long as it stays within what that person said like that, I'd, I, I can totally appreciate from that perspective. When it gets out of control, like I saw within the, the um, Mexican or Spanish, Hispanic community, right. where they were calling them all kinds of, I don't like to say these vile names, so I'm not going to say them, right. but calling them all kinds of names. And I said to them, they're your people why would you do that? And they said, they're not my people. My family, I'm third generation Mexican. I was born in the United States. They came over on the blop, blop, blop or whatever. Right. Swam across or whatever. And to hear someone say that, to make a delineation between, okay, well, I'm better. Because right. I'm American born. It just made my stomach curdle. It made me sick. Right. I didn't know what to do with that. But that can happen with any of them. So um, back to your original question, is there racism? Is there prejudice? Yeah, yeah. there is. Um, I don't treat anybody um, any different based on their ethnicity. Now, do I treat people different? Absolutely. I like people. I don't like people. And I don't care what race you are. Right. Okay? You can be the same as me. You can be different. Um, but that I think is the common mistake. People say, you know, I treat everybody the same. That's where you're making your, your genuine mistake right there. I don't treat everybody the same. I treat people based on sometimes the way that they treat me. Right. Depending on the capacity that I'm working in. If I'm, if I'm a nurse or a teacher, I got to treat these people good. Even if they act stupid with me, it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while I had this one chick try to create a revolt and, um, created a petition against me and, 
um, I don't even know if you knew about that, but um, wrote a petition on me to get rid of me as the instructor of a particular thing that um, I was a part of. Right. Um, she just hated me. And my thing, my thing is this. If you're going to go after somebody, just some food for thought, make sure that you're without spot or wrinkle. Because if you're coming at me... I'm going to expose everything that's wrong with you, too. And what ended up happening, she had a mental health disorder. Not surprised. Um, she had um, uh, incarcerations. Not surprised. <laughs> this chick was, like, out of control, but she just chose me for no reason. Right. And it was kind of interesting. The way I found out about it is um, they were all creating this petition and getting ready to revolt, but those people that were working with her figured out that she was crazy because it got to where she was actually threatening me physically and stuff. Right. Um, so they went, Oh no, I don't want to be a part of nothing like this. And they ended up telling me. So, but also do you feel like when it comes to law enforcement, do you feel like when certain people get in certain positions like that, they take advantage of those positions and start being against their own kind? Just to make somebody else feel comfortable. Do you feel that happens a lot in law enforcement? I can't. You know, I was I was in law enforcement myself individually for right. a very short period of time. It was three years, I think. Three or four years. Right. Um, I think any authority position, or should I say I'll reverse that position of authority that people get, that it can mess with your head. Right. That isn't, to me, cops... Or should I say it more appropriately, police officers, um, fire department people, nurses, doctors, teachers are some of the most significant um, positions of authority that we have in our world. Oh, and I forgot pastors, preachers. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, People go to these people in the most vulnerable state that they could possibly, all of those that I just named. Yeah. Okay. We hold a very special responsibility Okay, when you get those positions, right? It's not a time to get a big head because oh, I you know am in authority over these people. That's not what you use that for. You use it for influence. You use it to grow people. You use it to develop people. Right? Do I occasionally see misuse of authority? Absolutely. Okay. Um, everyone's not going to be perfect, and everyone's not going to be right. Right. Correct. We got a lot of stuff going on in our world. We have good good officers, and I've met a lot of them. And I have a great deal of respect for, obviously, um, for law enforcement individuals and all those other entities that I just named. Correct. But have I been around bad ones? Yeah. And I'll tell you, it, um, those people, we're talking about people that have guns. Right. Okay makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck and you can kind of tell the difference. Right. They sound different. They, they walk different and they terrify me. But yes, I have encountered some things and it's bad. Have you ever went through any type of racial discrimination in a job place or even in general in your whole life? Being a biracial, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're being, being a biracial is difficult. A lot of people don't understand that process either because sometimes biracial kids are raised white, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't know what goes on in the black community, not because they don't want to, it's just how their parent put them in that position. So they don't, they, sometimes they don't understand, well, why are, why are they upset? Or why do they feel this way? Because of the fact that they were biracial, they don't know. So have you went into any of that type of stuff, just being a biracial kid and living in this society? I think the biggest problem that I've had I've gotten the the thing about being of mixed heritage, whatever you want to call it. There's right. some, you know, you your guys' generation calls it something totally different, but Correct. we were biracial before biracial was cool. Right. And biracial meant we were more than one race. It might be two, it might be more, and we weren't even allowed to say that. They either wanted us to, they wanted us to choose, and then there was the whole if you have even a quarter black in you, you're automatically black. Right. You know, black just snatches you up, you know. Um, so it was just this ridiculous phenomena. I've gotten it from both sides, and I'll give you two really quick examples. 
Um, I've been in situations that were very Caucasian most of my life, and I've had Caucasian people automatically assume that I know every rap song that exists in the world and that I knew anything about R&B. And honestly, I wasn't allowed to listen to that kind of music, not because it was an ethnic thing, but my dad, be, being raised Christian, would not allow me. Let me put it to you this way. Prince was like contraband music. Prince. Okay? So... Oh, I didn't know who the Isley brothers were. Right. My mom had a little bit of that because, you know, I'm from Detroit. So a lot of the influence of the musical stuff, my mom had it. Right. But I didn't know what it was. I might have heard it. But if you had said, you know, sing an Isley Brothers song, I what? You know, I didn't know. I knew Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5. I was like really compartmentalized and very sheltered. So... I will have white people go, oh, well, you know, and I'm going, huh? Because then you get scared. I'm supposed to know something and I don't know it, which means I'm coming up short. I'm not as good as everyone else. Then on the flip side, <laughs> um, dabbling a little bit in my adulthood in the, in the black church, they assumed that I knew all the gospel. I was raised singing contemporary Christian music, right? which black people, BB and CeCe Winans, okay? Not their brothers, because the brothers were gospel. Bibi and Cece were contemporary. Right. Okay? Um, Denise Williams, contemporary gospel, okay? So these were my black people, okay? Everybody else was white, okay? <laughs> right. So I get into the black church, and, you know, I've sang all my life. I can sing anything, and I can learn anything. But the problem was they were like, okay, well, we're singing this, and because I was with everybody else, automatically I must know it because I'm black. I didn't know the music. I barely, um, a young lady named Nicole Early that I used to sing with, I broke it to her and this other young lady named Celine that, hey, guys, I know that you thought I was being some kind of snob because I didn't want to sing the songs, but it was because I didn't know the songs right. for years. <laughs> so as a, as a person of mixed heritage, there's just this assumption that yes, um, because on the white side, because I have black blood, I guess by way of osmosis through my genetic cells, I automatically know which hair products to use. And um, yeah, I know what chitlins are. And I mean, I didn't know what chitlins were until I was way into, I was almost graduating from high school. And the only reason why I knew that was because of Kim Carter. Okay. Because I was going to her house. So there's these assumptions. And then the black people assuming that I was raised like them and I know what they know. And I didn't know nothing. I was lost. Okay? So it's complicated. It's it can at this point it's comedic. Yeah, it's funny now. Right. It wasn't funny going through it. You know, yeah. um I remember somebody told my mom you gotta get some hair grease for your daughter's hair and my mom went to the store and she brought bought in anybody black knows ultra sheen in um the glass jar thing with the white cap, the blue one. They know, okay? And I thought, and please, it's okay to laugh at me. I thought if I slathered the whole jar into my hair, I would look like the chick on the commercial. Because my hair didn't look like hers. And nobody's hair looked like hers, right? Nobody's hair. Okay, because you know that chick she had done had it pressed. It was probably a wig. Who knows? But I was just determined if I kept slathering that grease and brushing my hair down, it would calm down and it would look like the lady on the commercial. When I tell you it's confusing to be mixed, especially when you're like me, and I'm even a special case. I'm unique because I have two white parents. Right. I don't have I don't even have a black person to reference to. Right. Back then. Right. Okay? So you can imagine my white parents, they're washing their hair with suave. Yes, suave shampoo has been around for decades. My parents are washing their hair. They wash their hair every day. I wash mine every day and shoot chunks of it is coming out into my hand. And there wasn't nobody black to say, hey, don't do that stupid dum-dum, you know? <laughs> While I'm putting the ultra sheen 
on my hair thick, that's trying deep. to brush it down hey, so I could look like the lady in the commercial. That's deep. And I would take pictures. Finally, when we started going to the beauty parlor, that's like a whole nother thing. And I know we're talking about prejudice, but you asked about this ethnic craziness right. when you're mixed. Um, I would take pictures from the Black People magazine. I called it the Black People magazine because everything was so segregated. You had Jet, you had Ebony, and you had Essence. There were no other black magazines, and somebody listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about. Everything else was Teen Magazine, and you know there was some white girl on that one. Right. Okay? So that was my reference. So I would get on there, and I'd be like, ooh, what are what's Posner? Posner hair products. Ooh, maybe because the Ultra Sheen ain't working. If I use that one, then I'll look like the pictures. Right. Okay? So I would get in there, and then once we went to the beauty shop, which was another nightmare situation with my white mom and them looking at me like, that's not your baby kind of thing. I would go in and I would say, I want to look like her. I remember I chose peaches and herb. You guys, the people listening know, but you don't know who that is. But peaches had this extraordinary um, bunch of braids with beads. And it was like one of the first photographed kind of versions of that and I wanted to look like peaches I wanted those braids and there was nobody they were the black ladies in the shop would laugh at me and go don't nobody look like that you know no we can't do that we can't make that look like that you know kind of thing so I'm telling you it's a roller coaster ride and nobody gets it Nobody understands. Also, I would be asked, why do you talk the way that you talk? Yeah, yeah. Well, we were going to get on that, actually. Um, I'm actually doing a segment, if nobody <laughs> knows. So we won't even get into that. We'll get mm-hmm. back to topic. But um, I'm actually doing a segment, guys. So tune in um, for that segment. It's called Being Mixed. And I'm bringing in a whole oh, bunch boy. of mixed kids <laughs> that have something to say. You know, um, a lot of times, no offense Sometimes the black community doesn't want to take in that, wow, there is some actual mixed kids. And we actually went through some crap. Um, And sometimes they don't want to hear about it. Well, you're just black. Yes, I am black, but I am something else too. And I do take pride in knowing that I am mixed. I am two different races and I have family members that are two different things. And accepting that that's just my reality. So, but getting back to topics. So don't miss out on that, guys. Uh, look for the date. I'll be dropping it. Um, so with that being said, Mom, what is it like having biracial kids and having two sons that are obviously black in our community, as well as having a husband that is um, black as well and a daughter that's black as well? But, you know, obviously, um, you know, what is it like having that? Well... You know, your dad, um, he's not just black. Right. He um, also is a Southerner. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, being a Southerner, we have totally different perspectives. Right. You know, I was raised by hippie white people. Right. In Southern California. Yeah. Um, completely different. Well, hippie white people in Southern California that were Christians. Right. That's a lot to take in. But they were hippie Christians. Yeah. So we might wear flip flops and some shorts to church right your dad is a three-piece suit in the summertime kind of guy right okay um with his brim on and his stacy adams shoes in the summertime in a church where maybe the air conditioner don't work right kind of thing right i wasn't accustomed to that um it's culture shock sometimes um and you know, with with my sons, I honestly feel like Christopher gave me, um, my, my middle son gave me some wonderful props and I had made a special point. He knows this because I knew sometimes when you marry into another person's culture, um, things are lost in translation. You know, you give up something for their, but one of the things I did not, I refused to give up was my music. I wanted you kids to know who Bach and Beethoven were as well as Denise Williams, as well as possibly Nicki Minaj, KRS-One. You know, I wanted you to have my generation. Um, I also wanted you to know who Imagine Dragons are. I I wanted you to know all, not just one, Pink Floyd, um, Grandmaster Flash, 
I mean, I could just keep flying because just everything. Um, Adele, I wanted you to know all music and I didn't want you to sh um, stray away. Do you know that I have friends from my generation that never ever listened to anything but R&B and rap, period, end of subject? Um, and at one point in time, that was kind of dominated by more black people, maybe a few Mexicans every once in a while or a Puerto Rican would slip in, you know, right. somewhere, but it was dominated. Um, so they were very compartmentalized to that. And I remember they made fun of me in high school because I listened to Aretha Franklin. You do this too, where we pick a particular artist and it's not that we're obsessed, we're studying them and we don't listen to nothing else but them until we're satisfied. Yep. We got to hear every note. We got to hear every stanza. We got to hear all this stuff um, until we know their songs by heart. Well, I did that with Aretha Franklin, but I also did that with Barbara Streisand. Right. Um, which, of course, my black friends were outraged. You know, how could I listen to this white lady? And I just sloughed them off. My confidence level was intact. I was completely in touch with being eclectic musically. So Christopher right. gave me a big prop. He said, Mama you always listen to everything. I remember we'd be riding to school with you guys and it might be Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> For today. real. For real. And tomorrow it might be Aretha. <laughs> might be the Jackson 5 <laughs> on Friday. And then we might just totally, you know, head bang out. It might be Aerosmith on, on Wednesday. You know, yeah. you never know what was going to be played in my, my CD deck or my tape deck. Because right. it goes back that far. Um, and Junior, my oldest, is a prime example of that. He's very eclectic musically. Also, Christopher, um, I, it's funny because it's difficult for me to focus to sit down and read a book now. Right. Um, and as you get older, your vision does weird things. So, um, you know, it's just difficult to get me to sit still with a book. But Junior and Chris um, basically uh say that i helped them want to read and there was a time when chris was skitzy like me and couldn't sit and read but now he devours books yeah your father has always done that forever since the day i met him right so you guys get it from both sides but musically i that is something that i wanted to give you guys i wanted you to be able to go and sit down and watch a broadway play and enjoy it and maybe you'll bump, you know, Beyonce on the way home, you yeah. know, whatever. I never wanted you compartmentalized to one type of music. Music is like, like food, you know, um, there's so many different kinds. Yeah. Um, why would you limit yourself to burgers and fries? Who would do that? And maybe somebody would, but that's not living to me. That's not living. I and and it joys my heart when I hear you dancing and boogieing down to you know Tejano music or Bonqua, you know something. I hear you doing that, and I'm just like, yeah, that's my kid, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to give you the gift of being eclectic musically, right, and being able to appreciate everything. So, um, but is everybody like that? No. Right. They're not. Right. And as I said, a lot of my friends, well, whatever they were back then, right. um, were very compartmentalized. I mean, I had not listened to rap. There was a time when I didn't even identify with rap at all and didn't feel like it was actually music. Right. Believe it or not. A lot of people actually feel that way. But um, when you're classically trained from the time that you can remember, seven years old, you learned that that's real music and there's still instructors, um, trainers, vocal arts people that do not believe that that is any type of music. So I was being, it was being reinforced on a regular that, nah, that's not real music. You, you don't, you don't dabble with that. Right. And, um, you know, the songs that were my most favorite songs, Shaka Khan and Mariah Carey, right. um, the people that I worked with would pick them apart and say, see, she didn't pronounce that she's not enunciating. Right. Um, see this one, hear the weird stuff she's doing with her voice, that's going to damage her voice. 
So I lived in horror, you know, yeah. like maybe I shouldn't deal with any of that music. It must be bad because they're saying it's bad. Right. So I do commend my high school um, buddies on opening my mind and allowing me to, you know, hear um, public enemy fight the power. That was my generation. And um, KRS one, big daddy Kane, Dana Dane, slick Rick, all those people. Right. And I'm like, man, this really is smooth, you know, and nah, they're poets. These are poets, you know, and I had that insight even at 16 years old. I was like, oh, well, that's what you should really when you're looking at any type of rap or anything like that, especially a lot of the rappers, what people don't understand, especially the black ones, they are really telling their their story mm-hmm. through rap. There's some rappers that you be listening like. What in the world are you talking about? Like, you are saying nothing, bro. You are so mainstream and so trash. I don't even know why you're even on the radio. But then you have, like, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar. These ones are literally telling you their story of what they've been through. But not just that. They're also telling you, hey, I'm black. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's up? Just like N.W.A., you know? Yes, they had some music that was crazy. But they also had that music that was very much we still live on today and we're seeing it so do you ever fear that something or anything like when your kids leave the house being be having kids that are obviously black and a husband that's black do you ever fear anything that's going to happen to them because you being a biracial you might you you your skin tone might not get as much i guess press you might not get looked at a certain way but having obviously biracial kids and a black husband, have you ever had an incident with your kids or with your husband where an incident happened and you had to correct somebody really quick? Sure. So do Absolutely. you want to tell me about that <laughs> moment? Um, well, you, the first part of your question, you cannot, you're not a mom yet. Right. Okay. Um, you cannot begin to imagine the things that go through mom's heads, you know, um, my my son you know that's i and it's not just me that does it but it's it's very it's the cry of a mother's heart right when i'm sitting there and i'm going is is christopher home yet right you know have you heard from junior right how come dad's not home yet you know there's something that drops in my my spirit you know where is my family making sure that they're safe but that's because of all the racial unrest too right and we've had things christopher your brother, daddy, they all have stories, you right. know, and, but I even have one and it's stupid. It's nothing like theirs, right. but, but it's a story. I got pulled over, um, <laughs> by Mexico because my job used to be right by Mexico. And right. let's face it, my, my hair will lay down flat. You know, I can slick it back. Everybody can't do that. You know, I can go completely Afro curly to very flat and straight looking. Right. And I got pulled over and I got treated like I was a criminal when I hadn't done anything wrong. Right. Because I met the, I I was um, the same description as a Mexican lady. Right. Or Puerto Rican lady or something like that. Right. And of course they let me go, but that was a bit disconcerting and for a while there, I had been kind of followed. I had been followed um, home a few times. Right. Which was unnerving. But right. you know, without getting into it, my, my previous line of work and all of that was weird anyway. And that can happen in that line of work. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been in situations with, with daddy where they, um, when I was getting ready to marry your dad, we were in a... We were dreaming, basically, of what our wedding was going to be like. So we um, were in a bridal shop in La Mesa, California. And um, they didn't bother me. They went with me, and I was, you know, going to try on a dress and all this and that. Your dad, on the other hand, they had a problem with him being in there and almost basically ran him out of there and stood with him like he was going to rob the place. So... We constantly have a divided perspective. I find that I get more heat here. You know, I didn't say anything to dad. I'm sure dad didn't notice it, but we were at Sam's Club just picking up some stuff here because, again, we're in Texas right now. Um, And um, just to give you insight on what he and I deal with, 
dad and I are there and there's this um, black couple, very attractive. And I had, you know, thought, you know, the first time the lady was staring at me, you know, they're like mine and dad's age. The first time the lady was staring at me, I thought, well, maybe she just thinks she, you know, I look like somebody. Um, and I have a full face of makeup on today as well. Right. You know, so I'm not looking weird or nothing. You know, I made a special point of putting makeup on. Um, and I, it just seemed like everywhere we landed, we kind of all seemed to have the same idea, like vegetables, okay, vegetables, fruit, fruit, meat, meat. So right. we were ending up in the same area, which isn't unusual. Right. But every time I looked up, she was staring at me. So then it dawned on me. And this it's been a while for this one. The only thing I can figure is she thought we were a mixed couple. You know, and I wanted, I could feel myself keeping my mouth under control because I was going to start screaming, I am black. That has been my latest thing that I've done for the past 10 years when people start staring at me like, what are you? And I'll say just to get people off my back. Right. Just leave me alone. Because it's usually coming from the black community. Right. But they were darker, complected, good looking people that are our age. But I'm telling you, this woman was inside inside my nose right okay um so you know we as a couple we encounter that um you know the kind of racial difficulties with daddy's family you know um i i never ever felt very accepted by them right and i'm a two-edged sword i'm actually technically to them a black woman who sounds white who in their mind behaves white right this is what i get and right. it's just like Hey, I am white, by the way, also, you know, right. And that, so we have that whole thing. And then, you know, it wasn't always peachy king on my mama's side of the family. Right. With her little, you know, bi biracial child. And, but you could see that when my mom would introduce me to additional family members on her side of the family, because of the way that I sound, as I talked, it was like they were relieved. And I'm thinking, what was it? But now at 49 years old, I get it. Right. If I would have came like, yo, yo, what's up? What's up? Or something like that. Or just something very ethnic sounding. They wouldn't have been able to handle it. Right. But because I present myself in the fashion that I do, because it was the way I was raised to present myself. I don't know anything else. Right. Um, it Then it was okay. It was just like, oh. <laughs> you know, it was always this thing like, oh. She's not going to act that way. Oh, well, right. Then we can talk to her. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of, um, you're not the only biracial kid that probably goes through that. So, but you also heard about what's been going on in the news. So how are you feeling about that? We have lost, not just, I mean, I know everybody's talking about the Floyd incident and everything like that, but it started way before that. Oh, absolutely. We have lost many black men, many black women over, you know, police as well as just racial things that have happened. So how are you feeling about all the stuff that's going on, the protesting and everything like that? How are you feeling about all that? Well, being the mother of two black men and the wife of a black man, um, I feel like black men are becoming an endangered species, number one. Mm. And they're targeted. Right. I, you know, what do you do when the color of your skin becomes weaponized? what do you do when your ethnicity is a weapon right you know you're weaponized um these are things that break my heart um i have always been told that um you know it's funny because drake says um i'm light-skinned but i'm a dark yeah person we'll yeah say, right the sake of this right um I could totally get that because in when when I don't know what his point of saying that was right. but from my perspective I might as well have a fist in the air and be just as chocolate chocolate black brown whatever you want to call it in my heart I want to march I I'm militant um right. I speak out right. I piss people off all the time professionally and right. personally, right. because if they say something ethnic, I can't contain it anymore. I used to just sit there and I wouldn't know what to do. It would make me nervous and uncomfortable, but I said nothing. 
when I was younger because right. I was taught to be polite. And I'm just like, how is that being polite? That's not being polite. Being silent isn't being polite. When you're wrong, you're wrong. Right. And yeah, I talk about that kind of stuff um, all the time if somebody says something offensive. But this whole thing, you know, who would have thought this kind of stuff would be continuing to happen? Right. From my childhood, my younger, the younger part of my generation of people all the way into almost being a grandma someday soon. Right. Okay. Um, it, it's disconcerting. It's disgusting. I, I couldn't help but cry when I was watching that footage of that man. As a nurse, I'm thinking about his neck. I know what's happening to his body while this man has his knee in his neck with um, Mr. Floyd. But before Floyd, I watched the footage of the young man jogging and being gunned down like a wild animal. I watched that footage. And as a mom, I'm like, that's that's somebody's baby. You know, I'm grabbing my chest. I'm feeling short of breath while I'm watching it. And right. also sick again. Right. But it hasn't been one. It's been over and over and over and over again. Right. At what point... At what point? I mean, we we can talk about it, you know, the the um, police chiefs and all that. We can all have this conversation, but we need this to stop. How about they start by not hiring KKK members on staff? Would they do these supposedly extensive background checks? You know, a lot of people don't know you have to do a polygraph. You got to do all this stuff. They... They deem you not deviant. How much more deviant can you be if you're a racist? Right. You don't have to like me. Trust me, I'll give you reason not to like me, maybe. Right. Maybe I'll piss you off. Right. But do not judge me based on my skin. Judge me by my content of character. What kind of person am I? Matter of fact... Mean me no harm, but don't like me. Right. But these people mean us harm. And I just, I, ironically, Floyd, and a lot of people may not know this, but I saw the footage of his girlfriend. His girlfriend's Caucasian. What I saw was a white lady. So, I mean, unless I'm wrong, so don't get mad at me if I got it wrong, but I was watching the footage and they were talking to her and she was crying and she was saying that, um, they murdered my fiance. They murdered him, you right. know? Um, and she was crying. And is it significant that she's white? No, but it but it does speak to his character. He is not a respecter of persons. He was not prejudiced. But yet he was treated like a common thug and animal. I mean, we we prize our animals more than what this man got. You know what I'm saying? We I I love my dog. I wouldn't put my foot on his neck. Right. Most of us wouldn't do that to an animal. Right. But that man did that to a human being. And the others that were with him are just as responsible as him. Right. Do I agree with violence for violence? No. But I know from working in the prison system, the prison has its own system. Right. <laughs> okay? It's a system within a system within a system. Correct. Okay? And we need justice for this, but we don't just need justice with this case. We need justice in general. And this go it's so deep, and it's so at the highest levels of authority. If they don't see black people as being men women and human that's what we need to get at that's what we need to address because it's not just this it's so much higher and so much more extreme than we can even capacitate because they know what's going on okay um and that is what's very sobering and scary and you know it can make make young people, old people feel powerless. We're not powerless. You know, you ever hear the cliche, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. 
you have to keep fighting the good fight. You have to. Right. But does it make you feel good while you're going through it? Probably not. You know, this has been so sad. Um, being in Texas, you know, I feel like I should be marching with somebody. Right. You know, um, even if it meant, I don't know if you saw the footage of the a cop in um, New York threw a woman and when he threw her, she looks like she's maybe a, a buck 30. He looked like he's about 200 pounds. So if you can imagine, he threw this woman across the street, basically. She hit the curb. When she impacted, it created a concussion, which created seizures. She went right into a seizure. And I was watching that, and I'm just like, this is out of control. I mean, and that was a cop wearing a badge that did that. So at the end of the day, we have to keep trying, but it is hard. Right. It is hard. And and it's sobering and it's scary. You know, um, I feel like I should be marching around La Mesa with them and be walking down the 94 with them. I, mm. I miss my city and I, I miss its people. And I agree with nonviolent acts of protest. Correct. I do not advocate for anybody getting hurt. Not police. Right. Not regular people. Okay. Everybody's life matters. Right. Black lives matter. Um, blue lives matter. Doctors and nurses' lives matter. Correct. We all matter. Young, old, doesn't matter their sex. So, um, or sexual orientation. I mean, a lot of people have been definitely on social media pressing the fact that people are posting, you know, all lives matter. A lot of people are against that right now because they feel like a lot of people are saying all lives matter just to like kind of counter that, oh, well, we matter too, just like you. Like we go through stuff just like you. So a lot of people have been getting really irritated about people saying that because they feel like they're countering that, you know, I say black lives matter. You're saying all lives matter, Mm -hmm. which I feel that I feel when it comes to that, black lives do matter. You know, we are one, um, culture that has been oppressed for a long time Absolutely. and we still each, continue yes and it's still going on even though it's funny because people like to say oh well i thought it would knock off when you know people started having interracial kids what does that mean no because even even if you have an interracial kid your your spouse can still be racist Absolutely. and people don't understand that either you can be married to a you know a white woman and be black, married to a white woman, have an interracial kid, and your wife is racist. Yes. And she doesn't speak on you. She no. doesn't try to support you. Right. But she just has an interracial kid. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you have to say for black women? Because, I mean, a lot of black women right now um, have been talking on the level of just, you know, um, some of them are feeling as well oppressed because black women have been oppressed too. Black men and women, because I know a lot of times, oh, it's just men. No, no, no. Women, too. How do you, do you dislike the way that our society puts a black woman in? Absolutely. Um, you know, black women, um, if you were to ask somebody, they, they automatically say strong-willed, right. outspoken, right. loud, right. Um, abrasive, aggressive. They use these terms and... You know, it, I, you know, I try to choose my words very wisely with this and it hurts me. Right. Um, I'm a woman. If I use strong speech, it's because I'm making a point. Right. It doesn't matter, um, what I say if, if I'm angry, um, if I'm happy, whatever. Right. You know, there's this connotation. Also, there's this connotation of um you know sexuality that we're hypersexual right and um you know and of course I, I mentioned my girl Nicki Minaj but it's not just Nicki you know the the whole thing of using sex as a weapon um from a black singer's perspective, we've been doing that for decades. And yeah. It didn't just happen in your generation. Right. It's been going on. Right. Um, that also 
is appalling, but yet a guy can talk about getting brain and, right. you know, or um, somebody climbing on their lap or right. and they can grab their, their nuts, right. you know, and, and that's perfectly fine. But yet with us, when we do it, then it there's a backlash and this double standard because we're supposed to be the ladies with our legs crossed and blah, blah, blah. Right. I've got an issue with that. But back to just the black women. Black women in the workplace, for example, are known for being paid less than men. Right. And they're not just paid less than men. They're paid less than the women of other ethnicities if we were to go and look. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's a bit of a problem. And I actually encountered that, and I'm not going to say at which job, but one of my favorite jobs, um, I encountered that. And actually, an Asian lady was making more than me, and she was a new grad. Mm. So I dealt with that. And then, if you're black and you're a woman, and you go even passively to management, you know, to complain about something... You're not taken as seriously. Automatically, it's supposed to be harsh. Right. Um, I called a supervisor out on something because um, I I said, um, yeah, well, of course you would have a problem with me. I'm, you know, five foot nine black woman, so I must be scary and I'm probably dangerous, right? Right. And I, I nailed that person to the wall on that and their mouth hung open. Right. Because that's that whole thing. Or if I'm talking to you and it's a passionate topic, then, you know, you really, you know, because that's what black women do. We fight, right? You know, so if we're having this conversation and it gets heated, of course you need to worry about me slapping you and jumping on you because that's, of course, how we deal with everything, right? <laughs> um, I'm proud to say I, all the physical altercations that I've had, I got paid for. Right. Okay. I mean, hey. It's been in the field. I didn't break a nail, and I have been able to have some of the most heated, most intense conversations with people, like I'm talking to you right here. No, Everybody walked out in one piece. Nobody died. <laughs> there were no weapons brandished. Right. Okay. But there's this connotation automatically that it's going to go to fisticuffs. We're going to fight and I'm going to rip your weave out. You'll probably rip mine out, which I've never had a weave, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's this whole thing with that. And, um, you know, that crap gets old too. Right. I'm not hypersexual. I've been with the same man for 30 years. Right. Okay. Um, um, you know, and he didn't get it easy and neither did anybody else. Right. Okay. Um, so this whole thing, you know, um, I've had arguments with people cause I told them, yeah, you just met one, whatever idea you might as well just throw anything that you're thinking in the garbage right now. Cause you're wrong already. Right. I don't even have to know what you're thinking. I know that you're wrong right. cause you don't know nothing about me. Right. You don't know where I come from. Don't sit here and assume anything. Correct. Okay. Cause I will rock your world with my reality because you don't know right okay each person needs to be treated that way each woman needs to be treated that way every black woman out there needs to be treated that way don't assume that you know how they how they were brought up right don't assume that you know um how they manage intensified situations that it's going to go zero to five thousand and fingernails are going to be broken and hair is going to be ripped out no not necessarily don't get it twisted. We're not soft. We're no pussies. But there are other ways of skin and cats, if you will. Right. Okay? We don't have to go that route. Right. Now, you want to make it like that? I'm not going to sit back and let you punch me. Right. Okay? <laughs> but I'm going to do everything I can to de-escalate the situation with the way that I was taught how to. Right. Okay, so don't assume anything. Correct. You know? I think um, I think that's definitely one thing that um, a lot of black women have, at least the ones I've talked to, they have told me that, you know, a lot of times you get put into this aggressive thing. I mean, me being a black woman, you know, you and know. being tall yep. and, I, you know, I'm 5'11 mm-hmm. and quick to be like, oh, she's going to, and don't get it, like, like mm-hmm. you said, don't get it twisted. Yeah, we can go there, but... 
would I like to go there? No, I'd rather keep it calm. But I also I also don't appreciate when I talk to people and because I'm talking or articulating my words in a manner of more of a strict, yeah. like to the point manner, oh, you're you're being aggressive or you're yeah. being I'm being aggressive. No, I'm being direct. There's a difference. Yeah. I'm being direct and I'm telling you the way you're treating me and the way that we're having this conversation mm-hmm. is a problem. Yeah. So I'm letting you know that you got me twisted and don't talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like people really have to start not, you know, I guess uh, making assumptions of how this person, you know, is going to handle this. But also some people handle stuff a different way because of the different things they've been through. You know, some people don't know how to handle it without aggression Mm because they've had to fight their whole life. You know what I'm saying? So you just have to know your audience and who you're talking to, you know. Um, But we're about to wrap this up. But my last question is. What do you want to see personally? You know, I know we've all talked about the negative because all it's all, all streaming on Facebook and everything like that. What change do you want to see in the world as well? What positive change do you want to see in the world to, you know, see the world be better, you know, out of love? You know, I was explaining that on my um my little thing I do on Facebook talks in positivity with Ryan. I was explaining, you know, we have to unite as one. Like, I know that we're quick to, oh my gosh, this and that with the black people. No, hold up. We need to unite as America. That That's our problem. We're not united. None of them. And it has nothing to do, it has to do with all races. All races are not united. Right. Even black people. I know at this moment, everybody's trying to come, but we're not united. Crabs in a bucket. Don't right. do better than me. Mm-hmm. Be below me. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, as a whole, on, on my uh, Facebook Live, I said we have to unite as a whole. Forget the forget uniting. Oh, oh well, right now we're uniting, and tomorrow we're going to hate each other again. No. If we're going to see change, we need to see change on every area of everything, not just one area. And that's I, I guess that's just my problem right now. And when I was talking on and I was telling people, like, you know, I know that everybody's like, oh, I hate this and that. No, we need to show love. Like, it needs to be love all around. We have, we have, you're raising interracial kids that need to know both sides, not one side of their race, both. Mm -hmm. Even if that, even if you have to put your kid in a situation where they're just, they don't understand the culture, but you want to put them in it, you need to put them in it. They need to know both sides of their family, both sides of their life, so that you don't have kids that are confused. You know, with what, what, what's the difference between mom's side and dad's side? You know what I'm right. saying? They need to know the difference. Um, But also just uniting on a positive level of just understanding that you are a black female. You are a black male in society. Mm-hmm. This is how your society moves. Stop doing crowds in a bucket. Stop degrading another person, one of your own kind, because they're doing better than you. Don't degrade them. Support them. Support them. And get to their level. Stop looking at them as a as a basically like a competition we're not in competition we're all in this together and if one black business can come up that means your black business come up if y'all support each other we're not we don't do that you know what i'm saying and that's one thing i'm tired of i'm tired of i I love my i love black people (laughs) peter person i i'm black and i'm mixed you know but one thing i i definitely want to tell black people is unite Mm -hmm. stop competing we are all in this together support each other be that stepping stool. You're doing good. Put her on your shoulder and lift her too. Absolutely. Stop doing this whole, oh, well, she's doing better than me. Let me flick her off or let me disrespect her or disrespect her company or don't do better than me, honey. Stay right. there. And the older generation, no offense to come for the older, the older heads, but as older heads, I feel the older heads need to step up. Absolutely. They need to start getting with these younger generation kids and teaching them certain things and doing stuff like that. Yes, our generation is different. It's it's always been different. It's going to be different. But as as you know, if you're older, I feel you should be imparting things into different generations. OK, you've been here longer. We just got on Earth. I know people be acting. I've been here for a long. No, you just started life. OK, you know nothing. <laughs> I don't care what you say. You know nothing. OK. You need to get these older heads and start soaking because they've been here. Mm -hmm. Some of these people have had black owned businesses since 19 something, (laughs) bro. Mm -hmm. And they have, they literally entrepreneurs like on the left, they own, I don't even know how many things. Mm -hmm. So why, why aren't they getting with these younger people and helping them get to a different level? You know what I'm saying? You got to get out of that mentality. You're old now. No offense. You are old now. You're going to not always be here. 
it's time to step down and step up with a kid and get them on the right track. Okay? Gangs. Oh my gosh. That's another thing. Gangs. Like, oh my gosh. That's that's a whole nother we gonna have a whole yeah, nother pod podcast on that because yeah. I am so tired. You will say all this stuff, okay, we need to unite. If we can't unite as a people, why are you surprised that they can't unite with us? You kill us. You kill people each day. I've lost friends from gangs. You probably lost friends from gangs that got shot just by the color that they were wearing. Why do we do that? You're killing your own brothers. Literally, your own people. Right. And you're surprised? You're surprised that all this stuff is happening. You're surprised. I, okay. So what positive positives... Can you give to people or what do you want to see change in our world after this whole incident? <laughs> well, I, I think it's like anything else. Um, I'm a firm believer in, for example, the 12 steps. Right. The very first step is admitting or acknowledging that there's a problem. Correct. So if we can start there. Right. We can do anything. We are an extraordinary people. And when I say people, I mean all people, all ethnicities. We're extraordinary. We're beautiful. We're brilliant. Um, we're intelligent. Right. The the truth and um, the solution is within us. Right. The only way that we can find that is together. So we have to be open to that. And that goes to acknowledging that there's a problem. Right. Um, being able to sit down and open up that kind of conversation with others you know um being able to be honest you know what when you get into the elevator mr black man or black woman i as a white woman feel in danger i'm not talking about me this is just an example but i i feel you know danger is coming into the elevator and that you may mug me and steal my purse this is a dialogue that I think if we could get out of the emotionalism of it, not get our feelings hurt, and get down to why. Right. Well, and that white person might say, well, because mom and dad always said, you know, be careful around those people. Right. You know, it might be something that's taught. It might be something they saw. Maybe something happened to them. Correct. And we can flip that script, you know, um, when I... And I can say this personally when I, you know, see a Confederate flag with a bunch of pot belly white people right. <laughs> makes me nervous. Right. But the ironic part of that is some of those pot belly white people looking people are in my family. It was right. actually what I was raised around. But somewhere in the mix, I learned that there was something wrong with that association the confederate flag and the pot belly white people and they might have swastikas on their shoulder right and da 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 and there's this connection that goes through it we as black people got to realize white people go through the same kind of shifting in their mind oh my gosh are they like tupac and ice cube and they're gonna shoot us and right. you know <laughs> right. they go through that too so there's a commonality there there's this human factor so by starting a dialogue and connecting, because we are all together on this, you know, Earth. rotating rock <laughs> yeah. called Earth, <laughs> we can actually come up with a solution and the solution is within us. Right. So um, that would be my take on things. Um, it, we're not going to be perfect. No. And something else is going to come up. When we fix that one, there's going to be something else. Right. But if we could do it in unity as a team, in this human experience that we're all having together at the same time, right? Um, then we can heal. And yeah. we can get past it. And that means we'll be able to do anything. Right. It's difficult to get people to get together and see that. But it's not impossible. Right. Right. I totally agree with that. I like that. Well, thank you for coming through. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. You know, um, I'm going to have to get you back. You know, being a biracial, I'm going to have to get you back on the... Cafe Olay. Yeah, I can't. Um, being mixed uh, mm-hmm. podcast. I'm going to have to get you on there and see what you can... 
talk to other people about you know being mixed we're gonna talk about the many stories we've been through and you could do uh, biracial uh, through uh, the generation yeah i mean we're gonna we're Which gonna really get thought that i'd be on this side of it the old lady in the bunch but hey what up it. hey it's still something you it know it is what it is but we're gonna definitely um definitely have to get you on that and see you know get get you on that level with all of us youngins about you know being biracial but um i hope this was good for you guys um like i said spread love spread positivity love on your neighbor love on your friends um it'll get better this is speak up speak out and we out like i said guys make sure you check out next week i got some athletes coming through shout out to all my athletes out there stay blessed stay humble stay living your truth i love you guys god bless